Redemption do a good job. Give Pastor Pam a hand. Yes. Hallelujah. Better all the time. Keeps rolling right along. Rock on. Good stuff. Uh, you know, Elizabeth and I this last week uh, on, on Thursday and Friday had a, had a privilege to go to a, a youth camp uh, down in uh, Louisville, Indiana. It's just uh, south of Newcastle. And uh, there are about 90 youth there. And a whole bunch of adults and bunk leaders and, and all kinds of people. And we, we, it was, we were represented there well uh, between Shane and uh, Harbolt and uh, Laurel Lynn and, and uh, I don't know, there were everybody. Laurel was there and Mike was there and Joel and all these people were there. And we just, we just got the privilege to go down there and just to share with a bunch of young people. But just let me encourage you that, that your, your future's in, in good hands. <laughs> the kids that of, of today, I believe... Uh, are going to be uh, seeing more things than we've ever seen, doing more things than we've ever done. And they need great examples. They need great mentors. They need poured into. And so don't look down on those young people who may be acting up and acting funny and acting different. Pour into them. Pour into them God's love. Pour into them his word. Pour into them the leading of the Holy Spirit. Encourage them. Because remember, one day you're going to be counting on them. (laughs) And you want them to be in the right place. And uh, they were really, uh, they were exciting uh, uh, to talk to. They, they were on the edge of their seats. They listened to everything that you had to say. And uh, when it comes time to come down to the altar, they just, they just leave everything there. They come to the altar and they just, they just lay it down. Talking and sharing with kids and praying for kids is, is sometimes a lot, a lot easier than it is with adults. Because they, they don't, they do, you would think they would care what the person next to them thinks because they're kids. They don't. As much as, as they don't, we sometimes do. And so when it comes time to come down front because they know that God wants to give them a new heart and take away the hurt and take away the hardness and, and, and just rain on them in a new way, man, they are, they are up and they will push each other down to get to the altar so, so that he can rain on them, so that he can exchange those things in their life. And, and it's really exciting to see. And as they get fired up and ready to go and they, they charge back home, a bunch of them over here in Blaze right now, and I know that, that God had done some things in their lives and we're, we're excited about it, but we're also excited about all of the generations coming together and being a part of what's going on. They, they are the young ones, but they need us. And we are the older ones and we need them. They have more energy than you ever thought you had. David Long, I know he's the one who, who comes over here and raps every now and then. David, he looks very young. He looked very tired when I showed up down there. And I, I, I he said, Dave, 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 you're 30. What's the problem, pal? And he said, you don't get a lot, you don't get to take a lot of naps. I know you don't take naps. These, they're, all, they're all 15 and 17 years old. Don't nap. You don't know where they'll end up. They'll be somewhere else. You got to stay on it. They've got energy. And they're vibrant, uh, and we can use that energy, and we can use their hands. But I believe spiritually that uh, they're going to go places and do things that, that really we, we haven't gone and we haven't done. And uh, it's going to take a lot of prayer. It's going to take a lot of intercession on, on our part and a lot of pouring in to their lives. We don't hold back around here when it comes to pouring in to the younger people. They have two places. You know, they've got a place clear on the end for the elementary students from first grade to fifth grade, and they've got a place over here that's Blaze, and that's for the middle schoolers and the high school students. And those two places, rent-wise, are as much as the places that we do here. And they don't bring in the kind of cash that y'all bring in. 
So we are, we are seeding into the lives of those kids. And if you were to go over there, a lot of those kids don't have parents that come here. We are reaching into the community uh, through those areas. So I would encourage you, continue to pray for them, lift them up, uh, and, and intercede on, on their behalf that, that they become the men and women of God that, that he called them to be. The word that I had to share with you tonight, uh, has, as I, God gave me a little while ago, and uh, just these words, uh, misdirection and bad information. And, and a lot of, lot of people get in trouble, not necessarily because they aren't, aren't really trying, it's, it's because they've, they've, got, they've got misdirected and they, they have bad information. You know, there have been a lot of, uh, there have been a lot of wars fought. There have been a lot of skirmishes. There have, there have been a lot of things that have happened in this world because people got bad intel. And people make decisions at those levels uh, of where to go to war, when to go to war, who to kill, who not to kill, all those kind of things. They, they make a lot of those decisions based on the information that they have. And we are, we are not too far away from that because we are at war. And as you go forward with God against the wiles of the enemy, you, you have to have the right information. You have to know what's going on. And there are people out there all the time in the intelligence world who are seeking and talking and fighting and finding and picking out pieces of information to get those back to the commander-in-chief so he can make the right decisions. And we have the Holy Spirit in our life who can go with us, can move us left and right and forward and backwards and begin to direct us and begin to show us things. But we can't go anywhere if all we have is bad information. Bad intel is dangerous to the believer. And be careful who and whom you listen to because not everybody has great information. It may sound lovely to your ears. You may read it and it might sound halfway decent, but if in your heart it does not meld and it does not feel right and you don't believe that that's gone, I would definitely put it on a shelf and begin to pray about it. Don't just go forward because somebody said something. Go forward and go the direction that God has for you to go because God told you something. And when I talked to those young people, I told them, get out your pieces of paper, get out your pens, get all your stuff, and write down whatever you hear God tell you. It doesn't have to be what I say. Jake had asked me one day, you know, uh, Alyssa's son, and he, he had asked me, he said, uh, I, I, how do I take notes? Because I told him, you have to take notes tonight, man. It's going to be important. And he said, well, I don't, how do I take notes? I always ask the teachers because they can't write down everything they say. So you don't have to write down everything they say. You don't have to write down anything I say. Just write down what God says. Now, that might not help you in algebra, but it's going to help you in, in, uh, tonight in that service. That's, that's going to be something that, that's going to help you, you know. You, you, you have to know what God is speaking to you. And, and the other part of that is that misdirection, bad directions. Because pe- have you ever been headed one direction and, and you stop and you're a little lost and you ask somebody like, hey, can you help me out? I'm going to Cincinnati and, and I'm not real sure where to go and I'm not sure how to get there. And they give you these directions and, you know, you go, oh, awesome, thanks. And you get in the car. Sometimes you forget. Sometimes you're not sure. Sometimes they just flat out give you bad directions and you end up in Cleveland. Well, Cincinnati and Cleveland, are they're, they're a long way apart. We were headed out that direction one time and you know, one of them 70, one of them 74. I, I don't pay a lot of attention. I, you know, it's the first one or the second one as you come off of 465. Ah, we're going to Cincinnati. We, we ended up in Dayton. That's not Cincinnati. Uh, you know, it's close. You know, it's close. 
but, but then there's a pain, then there's that painstaking backtracking or, or having to add on time to your trip or, you know, maybe you'll eventually get there, but oh, now I got to turn around and go back. And there's no, there's never an exit where you need an exit because you, you've realized you missed the exit. You're going the wrong direction. And the next exit is what? 78 miles down the road. So you either have to make some kind of wild U-turn maneuver through the grass uh, or like, I guess Sue did. No, don't do that. Or just, you know, bite the bullet. And it says in Proverbs, and it's in chapter three, and you all know this scripture, so I'm not telling you probably anything you, you don't already know, but it says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not onto your own understanding. Lean on him in all of your ways, and he shall direct your paths. It goes on, though, in in verse 7, and it says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. You know, you have somebody, you have an advocate, you are an heir, as Brad said, to the one who really, truly knows the direction that you're supposed to go. Do you want to take directions from the person who barely knows you and who doesn't have an inkling to what God has for you Or would you rather take directions from the guy who created you, who understands and knows the plans and the purposes that he puts you in this earth for, who understands the end from the beginning, and he understands the fact that he's going to take you in your life from A to B to C to D to E to F, and he realizes how to get you from A to B, and then from B to C, and then from C to D. And if we rely on him, he'll give us those directions. He'll give us the map. I know you have your phone, and I know you can type addresses into your phone, but have you had somebody tell you after they gave you their address, the GPS doesn't work? They say, hey, you won't find it on there. It's wrong. God's never wrong. His GPS is always right. The difficulty is for us, there's not an app for it. (laughs) You You can't download it on your phone and get God GPS. You have to download it in your spirit. And you have to begin to, to follow him. And, and the enemy is out there, and his whole job and desire is to deceive you, to give you bad information, to get you going in the wrong direction, because ultimately he wants to destroy you. But what he can do in the meantime is get you listening to the wrong thing. There's a scripture, and we'll get to it here in a few minutes. It's, it's really important. It, it doesn't say that you're not going to hear what he says. You know, the word says, I mean, you're going to hear what he says. The problem is we've got to be able to discern between those two voices. And if you have issues with that and you're not sure, and you can go back in January, and the Wednesday night services in January, they're all online, and we talked about discernment. You know, we talked about knowing the difference between the voice of God and the voice of man and the voice of the stranger and all those different things. So I would encourage you to go back and do that. But the enemy's main job is, is to deceive you. He wants to kill, steal, and to destroy from you. And he does it through deception. He's a deceiver, he's an accuser, and he's a confuser. He'll confuse you, he'll accuse you, and he'll try to deceive you at every chance he gets. And you, you may know and you may say to your wife, I know exactly where I'm going and I know what's happening and I know, don't you tell me what I'm supposed to do, only to end up lost in the middle of nowhere and then to go back to that point and say, could you please tell me again what I was supposed to do? How many know the, the wife usually, not every time, 
The wife usually, not mine, but usually the wife knows. Definitely not. No, I'll call my mom if I want to know where I'm going. She doesn't need to be in the car with me. She can tell me where it is. Elizabeth, not so much. I used to, make, I used to drive around Tulsa with Elizabeth in the car. And, and How can you delicately go about this part? There were extracurricular things going on within our beings. We'll just leave. It wouldn't have made a difference. So we would drive around. We would drive around Tulsa, and we would, you know, and, 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 and then we would, I would always take a different route to the city of faith. And the city of faith is like this 60-foot thing in the middle of the cornfield type thing. And we would come around the corner, and it would never fail. She'd go, oh, hey, wow, how'd you get here? Every time, man, I could, t- I could take the same route every day and it would surprise her that much. So I don't ask her for the directions. But many times, men, maybe you, maybe you have to, you know, you, you got to rely on, you know, you got to go back and say, okay, I've made a mistake. You back up, you get to that point. And then she begins to tell you, see, you needed to go right here or you needed to go left here. God can do that for you in your life. And the best part is if you're tuned into him, you don't have to go back. If you lean on him, if you put all of your understanding in him, or you draw all your understanding from him, it says he will direct your paths. It's not just the enemy that wants to deceive you. It says in the word that the enemy is a deceiver. It says in Genesis, and we'll read it here in a minute in Genesis chapter 3, that, that, that the, the, the enemy, the serpent in that case, deceived Eve. He's a liar, flat out straight liar. But it also says in the word of God that there will be others who are around you who will deceive you. And then it also says in the word, in James chapter 1, verse 22, it says you can deceive yourself. It says be ye doers of the word and not just hearers only, deceiving yourself. So you are surrounded, not just by the enemy trying to deceive you. There are people out there in this world who want to deceive you. But you also have to be on top of your game because you can end up deceiving yourself. And that's not a place that you want to be. Really, that deceiving part of that word deceit just basically means that it's a behavior in words or actions which is intended to make people believe things that aren't true. All the devil wants you to do is to believe something that's not true. And here's the deal. When somebody tells you something like that and you believe a lie, sometimes you act on it and you get really mad and you go after this person. There was a time where there was this this kid who I didn't like very much and and I had heard that he had said something and done something and and I, I just let that stew. You know, I just, I just heard it. And then one night we got off work and he had, one of my friends had gotten fired and they were walking down the street and, and I found him. I was going to find this kid because he had said this thing about this girl. And I, I you know, I'm going to, I was probably just looking for a reason to hit somebody. But that was, uh, that was you know, part of the, I mean, uh, this guy had said something. And so I'm walking along with him, you know, and oh, I just can't take it anymore. So I just, I haul off and, and smack him in the face. I broke his nose. And he, he felt, I know, can you believe it? That's just not like me. I'm so kind. But he goes down, you know, and then uh, he's laying there, has no idea. He said, why'd you do that? I said, because you said this, this, and this. He said, I didn't do that. I didn't say it. Sorry. <laughs> I wish I would have known about a minute ago. 
See, bad information, man, it'll make you do crazy. It'll make you do crazy things. It'll get you in trouble. You know how much that cost me a hundred bucks back in 1982 or three. That was a lot of money, man, for a, for a 15 year old. I washed dishes for that for a long time, you know. But but if you if you take bad information, you'll make bad decisions. You'll make rash decisions. You'll definitely make wrong decisions. But but you'll make decisions that you wish you wouldn't have made. Not a whole lot different than your direction either. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, in verse 14, sorry, in verse 13, Paul is talking to Timothy, and, and he says in verse 13, evil people and imposters, they will flourish. They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. And verse 14 becomes the, the key for us because it says, but you must remain faithful to the things that you have been taught. He says, you must remain faithful, Timothy, to the things that you have been taught. You know that they are true. And you know that you can trust those who have taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting Jesus Christ. The enemy will come, and he will work his way into your life. And if you don't stand true on the truth, I mean, if you don't stand firm on the truth, he'll be able to push you off of that, little by little and piece by piece. And what Paul was encouraging Timothy here was, listen, there are going to be people who are going to lie to you, who are going to try to deceive you, who are going to try to wreck the plan of God for your life, who are going to try to take you down the wrong path, who are going to try to fill you full of BS, man, and you got to know the truth. And the truth is what you've been taught by these people who you trust. And he was encouraging Timothy, rely on that word, rely on that word. Don't give up on what you've been taught. Go back to the truth. Go back to the foundation. Go back to the baseline. Sometimes we get out here and out there so far, we, we forget what, what the truth really is. The enemy is good. He'll twist the truth, right? He's not just a deceiver. He's not just an accuser. He's a confuser. And he'll twist the word around in your head, and he'll get you all confused. But that's only if you give him an ear. In Genesis in chapter 3, it's a story about Eve. And I know sometimes we think, well, uh, you know, I've been in the church a long time. I don't know that I could really be deceived. Well, Eve, Eve was the second person on earth, and she walked and talked with God. Her, Adam, that was, they, were, they were all together. And she knew. She knew the truth. She knew what God said. She knew the word. She knew what he had been speaking. And so she knew the fact that if she ate from that tree, there was going to be an issue because God told him, you can eat from any tree in this garden except for that one. He's given her direction. He's given her information. But the enemy comes and he begins to twist that a little bit. And in verse 3 it says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said that you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, Yeah, he said that we may eat from every fruit of the trees of the garden, but... See, he see how he twists it right there? He says, did God not say that you can eat from every tree in the garden? Well, he, he, he did, but he said you can eat from every tree in the garden but this one. And so he doesn't come and he doesn't tell her exactly what God said. He tells her part of what God said. He'll come and he'll, he'll take a piece of it and see if you'll bite on that piece because it sounds good, but it's not right. And she responded and she said, 
But the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you must not eat it, or you shall not touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you'll not surely die, for God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. He begins to appeal to her natural senses. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, say all of a sudden, it's just a piece, just a part, you know, just, just a little bit, just a little, he just drop a seed here and he'll drop a seed there and he'll, he'll bring something across your path over that way and he'll put something in your path over this way. It's always good, always seems just, just about right. A lot of the times it goes after your natural inclinations. You know, addicts don't get, don't usually get tempted by other stuff. They get tempted by the same thing. It's just the way that it goes. And so the enemy begins to play this on her and begins to pull her in this direction. And she says, so when the woman saw the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and she ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. It says later in the word that uh, in the New Testament that Adam wasn't deceived. He was just an idiot. It, it, basically, I mean, it doesn't say it in those words, but it says, you know, Ad, Adam wasn't deceived. He just, he just flat out was, was disobedient. He just ate the fruit. She was deceived. And the enemy, it says, you know, when, when God came and said, well, what's the deal? What happened here? How'd that go? I, 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 the, 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 the serpent deceived me. And here's the thing that you have to understand about deception. Deception won't just wipe you out, but it gets passed on. See, when, that, when, that, when she was deceived and when she took that fruit and when she ate, what she did had ramifications that went beyond her. I'm not saying that if you fall for the deception of the enemy that all of mankind is going to, to absolutely falter from here on out. But in her case, that's, that's what happened. That in that moment, the sin consciousness came in. Now all of a sudden, they knew who they were. They knew they were naked and God had to pitch them out of the garden. He loved them, and he cared about them, he took care of them, and he clothed them, and then he immediately went to, go, went to the drawing board to get the plan of Jesus Christ coming into this earth so that we could have that same communion with him again. But you have to realize that, that there is something on the other side of that deception, and he might not wipe you, just you out. He might wipe out somebody else too. And all of those spies in Numbers, in chapters 13 and 14, you know, when those 10 spies came back and they had an evil report, they had a bad report, they were deceived. They were speaking about something. They, they, they knew the truth. They, they, they not only knew what Moses was saying that God said, they saw the fruit that God had promised them. They knew it, but they said something different than that. What they said, we can't possibly go against those people because we're like grasshoppers in their sight. And it didn't just affect them. The other people who were around, they were deceived then too because they fell in line with those 10. And so all the, all the adults and the people and the children of Israel, they all said, uh, we can't do it. We can't do it. We can't do it. They're deceived by these 10 leaders who said something that was haywire, that wasn't according to God's word, that wasn't according to faith. And again, it didn't just cost those 10. It cost all of them. As you go on and read through there, God wanted to smoke the whole kick and caboodle, but Moses, of course, talked him back again. And he said, fine, we'll just take care of that generation who made that decision. And once they're gone, then we'll begin to move on. Deception breeds sin, death, and destruction. Deception in your life breeds sin, death, 
and destruction. And I, you know, if you go back to, to Eve and you look at that deception, the tree looked good. It said the fruit was desirable. It didn't say that it looked like a poison tree. It didn't say that the tree had snakes growing on it. The tree, it said the tree looked good. And as we move on into the New Testament, you know, there are a few places in there where the word says, do not be deceived. Many times it's near some of the most matter-of-fact stuff. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in verse 33, it says, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Well, why in that passage do you have to bring in do not be deceived? Because we're idiots. And we're, we, we, we are very fleshy when it comes to our friends. And we want to hang out with who we want to hang out with. So Paul is, Paul's just straight up front with you. Listen. I know I've said a lot of stuff before this. I'm going to say a lot of stuff after that, and that stuff's all true. But this is important. Don't be deceived. See, why in that little portion does, does it say do not be deceived? Because we're easily tricked there. Because it appeals to something. It's like Eve. It appeals to something on the inside of us. Well, God wouldn't want me to be lonely. And we can rationalize it very quickly. We can, we, can, we can get ourselves out of the spirit and into the flesh very fast when it comes to our friends and the people who are around us. And I'm only trying to help them find Jesus. And maybe you are. But listen, this is true. Bad company corrupts good morals. How many of you know people who were saved? They were on the road. They were headed that direction. They got hooked up with their old friends. And they're not around anymore. Do not be deceived. And then in Galatians, it also says, I mean, this is simple. This is simple stuff. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, it says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, you will reap. Really? I mean, it's, we're, we kind of come, there's farmers all around us. We understand. You plant corn, you get corn. I mean, we understand that. Why here do we have to all of a sudden say again, do not be deceived? Because we don't pay attention to the things that we do. And how quickly we can fall into deception by planting wrong seeds. He's telling us, listen, this is important. The things that you do, there's ramifications to those. There's a harvest to those. The things that you say, there's ramifications to that. There's harvest on that. The things that you're thinking, there's ramifications. There's, there's things out there that are attached to that. Remember, 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 and don't be deceived. Don't let the enemy lie to you. Don't let your friends lie to you. Don't you dare lie to yourself. See, don't be deceived. Those are some of the easy, I mean, those are like, those are duh ones. I'm like, duh. James 1.22, I said it earlier. But don't you just be a hearer of the word, you be a doer of the word. For if you're a hearer of the word, you're deceiving yourself. What does that mean? Just do what you hear. That says that there has to be action to your faith. Otherwise, you can get greatly deceived. You can sit in church all day long. You can walk around with your headphones on with the word pouring in them all day long. But if you don't do any of it, you're going to be in trouble. And the, you'll be really upset. You'll be very discouraged because you think that you should be blessed. 
Well, I go to church every Sunday. I go every Wednesday. I listen to Joyce Meyer every morning. I have read every book she's ever written. But have you done anything that the Word has taught you? Have you done anything that the Spirit of God's been trying to get you to do? Why is that a big deal? Because the Word says if not, then you're deceiving yourself. You think you should have one thing, but you actually end up with another. That's deception. And the reason is pretty simple because we're not doing what the Word said. Now, I'm just encouraging you. I'm just encouraging you to to read the Word, know the Word, follow the voice of the Spirit, and do what God said. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived by, by the enemy. Don't be deceived by people who are around you. And for heaven's sakes, don't deceive yourself. Be truthful, be honest, and live the Word of God like you believe it in your heart. But there is a bit of a pattern here, and there is, you know, there's, there's some things that, that you can do. Stay connected and stay plugged into him. See, misdirection and, and bad information, uh, it, it comes when you, when, you, when you get unplugged from him and you're not paying attention to what he's saying or what he's doing. You know, they fly planes all over this country, all over the world, actually, but all over this country. And I just assumed that it was all willy-nilly, that they just got up in the air and they just flew to where they were going. That's not the case. There's like a highway in the sky. They all like, they've got people on the ground telling them to move this way and that way and up and down. Why? Because if they don't, they might have a catastrophe. If they're not listening to the voices that are speaking to them. And if you go around, if you go around the world, I believe they all speak in English. In the, in the tra- air traffic control world, they all speak in English so that everybody knows we're speaking the same language. Now, whether your English is good or not, that's, you know, that's between you and the airline. But the communication is going on is all the same voice. And in your life spiritually, God is communicating with you by the Spirit of God. And if you're not listening, you're, you could end up in a wrong place, a bad place. You could end up in a collision. You could end up in a bad spot very quickly. That's why it's important for us to keep our ears attuned to what God is speaking and what he's saying to us. It says in John 10, and this is where it says that we're going to actually, believe it or not, we would, we would actually hear the voice of the enemy. In John 10, it says in verse 4, it's Jesus speaking and he's talking about the shepherd and the sheep. And it says, when he, the shepherd, has brought out all of his own sheep, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep, his sheep follow him because they know his voice. In verse 5 it says, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, this is the NIV. It says, in fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. It says the voice of a stranger they will not follow. It doesn't say they won't hear the voice of the stranger. It says they won't follow it. Well, why won't they follow it? Because they don't know it. And they know the voice of the shepherd. What happens to believers, especially new believers, is they really haven't tuned themselves in to God's voice. And so they don't know what one to follow. They don't know what the word says, so they have nothing as a baseline. They don't know the difference between the two voices, and they both sound good. I mean, I'm telling you, the devil isn't going to lead you down a path saying, hey, you need to go do all these heinous things. He's going to try to deceive you. He's cunning and he's sly. 
And if you can't distinguish between the two voices, that, that's an issue. But he says, the voice of a stranger we won't follow because we know the shepherd's voice. So we follow after the voice of the shepherd. Tune yourself in. Learn to hear the voice of God. With everything that you have, that's the most important thing outside of the word of God to know and learn is how to hear his voice. Because he leads us and he guides us spiritually by his word and by his Holy Spirit. And if you're going to walk with the right information, and if you're going to walk in the right direction, you have to know his voice. It goes back to that thing that says, you don't know fake money by messing around with fake money. You know fake money by messing around with the real thing. You know the real thing so well that when somebody gives you something that's counterfeit or that's not real, you know instantly it's not real the voice of a stranger and I turn my ear away from that and I turn my ear toward God that you can tell the difference between the two too many times people want to try to find all the fakes just understand and know what the real thing is have an intimate do you have an intimate relationship with God I mean to the point where you I mean you know him when I talk to Elizabeth I, I, I know her when she calls me on the phone, I, I can hear her voice. I know it's her. When somebody tells me something that Elizabeth says, for the most part, I, I know whether or not she said it because I really, I really know her. Have you ever had somebody say something and you're like, nah, that, no, that's not, that's not like them. I had, I had some parents over time, a few, handful, who would call the principal and they would say something heinous about me. I just want to tell you that Mr. Skelton is, should not be around children, that he should probably be in prison somewhere, that, that he's a, a bleeding idiot. And he said all of these cuss words to, uh, to our kids in that class. And I, the principal would say, no. no. No, he didn't. Oh, I'm telling you, my son said he did. Well, ma'am, you know, I'm not going to call your son a liar, but he, he's a liar. <laughs> well, how do you know? Because I know Mr. Skelton. And you can come in and we can sit down together and, and we can talk about it. But I, I am telling you, I, I, know, I know him. And I know that's not what he would do. And I know that's not what he would say. See, do you know Jesus as the real thing like that? So when the enemy comes and that voice comes, you know immediately, man, that's, that's deception. That's not the truth. The world is confused. He's, he's, he's the, the deceiver and the accuser and the confuser. If you listen to CNN news long enough, you think, well, man, that all sounds good. Listen to Fox News long enough, that all sounds good. And then you end up in the middle, you're like, I don't even know what, I'm not even going to watch it anymore. It's just, it's just hyperbole. It's just this thing that just keeps rolling. There's just a little bit of truth in both sides can go a long way. Do you have a great knowledge of this thing, of the word? And I'm not necessarily speaking to just one group of people, but, but you know, if, if you're new to the Lord, if you, if you struggle in following after him and walking after him and, and, and making some of the same mistakes over and over again, I encourage you, man, this, this word is your lifeline. Knowing Jesus as the real thing and understanding and hearing his voice, those, this, that and this are the two things that are going to keep you on the straight and narrow and keep you going down the right path so you don't end up misdirected. Do you listen? Do you spend time talking to God and listening to God? It's not just talking to him. 
Not just talking at him. Not just telling him what you need and where you find yourself. But listening. Some of your greatest needs will be met by him speaking to you. Not him doing something in your life. Does that make sense? Some of the greatest needs that you have in your life. We expect God's going to part the clouds, that he's going to bring a talking dog into our neighborhood. He's going to do all these things to help us and to do these things. But I'm telling you, the majority of the time, maybe even more than that, the thing that you need, he takes care of in speaking to you. It may be something to do. It may be something to say. It may be something to pray. It may be something to seed. Who knows what it is? When we prayed to get out of debt, he did not send a big check to our mailbox. He told us to give. Give the way I tell you to give and live within your means. You've heard that story before. We were in great need, man. We were in a mess. We needed God to move. We needed something in our life. We were, we were, we were, we were sinking fast. And I thought, for sure, God, you know rich people. We know, I mean, we've turned our hearts back to you. Are you. Surely you could do it this way or that way or... <laughs> And I'm looking around thinking, well, where's it going to come from? Who's it going to be? And he just simply says, give the way I tell you to give and live within your means. My answer came from him speaking to me. Do you listen? And then the other side to that, the really important part in not being deceived isn't just knowing the word, isn't just knowing his voice, not just having a relationship with him where you know him and he's part of who you are. It's about being obedient to what he says. Otherwise, I mean, you can have all those things, but if you're not obedient to what he says, you're not a doer. And you're going to, a lot of people are disgusted and disappointed in those things, kind of like what Pastor Bill talked about Sunday, and they're just, they're deceived. How many of you have been discouraged and disappointed, and then God showed you something, and all of a sudden, lights went off, and man, you've got things right in your heart. Really, what did you do? You just... You recognize the fact that you were in the wrong direction. You got out the map, and God told you, no, no, you need to go here. Thank you. But how many of you know, if you continue going in that direction, you're not going to be in Dayton. You're going to be in Columbus. Well, I know I should have gone south on 75 to Cincinnati, but you know what? I know that's what God said, and I felt really good when he told me, but when I got to Dayton, I just didn't want to go that way, so I just kept going. Well, you're going to end up in Columbus. We hope this message encouraged you. Victor Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. Learn more about us at victorylafayette.org. If you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following Him, I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and His gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at victorylafayette.org.